Hello and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. The practice of Chinese medicine has become increasingly popular in the UK, with more than 6,000 Chinese medicine stores estimated to be trading across the country. But its use has been met with some scepticism, especially from practitioners in conventional medicine. The director of the Health Sciences Research Institute and the chair of public health at Warwick Medical School, Professor Sarah Stewart-Brown, talks to Kelly Parks about the approach of traditional Chinese medicine and whether it should be given greater credence. So can I first ask you what sparked your interest in Chinese medicine? Well, I suppose I got interested in it first as a, a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what might be called a patient but I wasn't um, sick in the conventional sense but there was a number of things that were troubling me um, uh, in terms, you know, so I wasn't feeling very healthy and um, I was curious, you know, people had talked to me about acupuncture and I couldn't see how it could possibly work um, So, but I thought I'd go along and, and um, experience it and um, then I got more and more interested from there And was it acupuncture you had to begin with? Well, it was acupuncture. I also went to, I mean, there were a number of um, practitioners, what's called as a sort of catch-all energy medicine. Right. So people who were doing shiatsu, um, craniosacral therapy, um, those those sort of things, and um, osteopathy as well as part of that. And one of the practitioners I went to see, the shiatsu person, started me um, uh, on some qigong which is Chinese energy work that I, I could tell you a bit more about later. Um, but that's a practice you do for yourself, mm-hmm. uh, largely. Some It's also possible some uh, very skilled uh, Qigong masters also use it as a therapeutic tool. So they're kind of um, treating people without the needles Yeah, and using the same kind of um, theories as Chinese medicine. So what are the theories behind Chinese medicine? Well, it goes back 23 centuries. <laughs> so I have to kind of take, you know, one's 21st century hat off and give it a bit more of a broad broad brush. And, I mean, some of the theories are quite philosophical. So um, Taoism was a big influence on Chinese medicine and Confucianism as well. But then coming from that, I suppose uh, practitioners of Chinese medicine would talk about balance and harmony as being fundamental um, states that they're trying to help people achieve with their medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's balance of um, with the external world. Uh, So um, things like um, the wind and damp and cold and things like that are regarded as very important but also more of living in harmony with the environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, eating seasonal food yeah. uh, would be also important um, and not destroying the environment. So they're, you know, interesting philosophical approach that taps into some of the issues that we, we're dealing with outside healthcare at the moment, environmental issues. Mm-hmm. But it's also about balance in the internal, in your internal world. Um, and so um, emotional balance as well as, and then a physical balance as well. So all those things tied up together, but trying to 
I mean, their, their, their view of life would be that when you're not in harmony uh, with the environment or with your internal states, um, then your body is stressed and that will lead to distress and that will ultimately lead to disease. So I suppose one of the other really important philosophies is, is about um, maintaining well-being, striving for well-being as a preventive for disease. Um, and the big area, I suppose, where Chinese medicine has things to offer, where traditional medicine, um, medicine, Western medicine is more, hasn't really got so much in its armamentarium, is in those areas of where health isn't good, but it's not a really, um, you know, it's not a disease that's going to kill you. Yeah. Those sort of things that interfere with your with your lifestyle, with your with your life, with feeling well. Mm-hmm. So what kind of diseases and illnesses will Chinese medicine be used to treat? Well, I, I mean, if we're just thinking back in that category, things like um, things like asthma, eczema, um, where it, well, there are solutions in Western medicine, but there are things like going on steroids, and a lot of people know how potentially damaging in the long term that can be, and are very reluctant to do that. Yeah. So... Um, and those are areas where the Chinese practitioners would clearly recognise um, that there are things going on that they could do something about. Um, other things like migraine or irritable bowel, um, and then um, and then things to do with mental health. So it, it particularly scores in that area between I've got a serious illness and mm. um, I feel fine. But it's also very useful, um, and people use it as an adjunct to cancer therapy, for example, yeah. so um, to support them through chemotherapy, which makes you feel absolutely ghastly and is also very destructive for your body. It's quite hard for your body to take. So good in terms of treating the cancer, but not, not um, good for you as an, an organism. So what kind of treatments would they use? I mean, you've already mentioned a few earlier, but do they bring in herbal treatments as well? Yes, herbal um, herbal medicine is is um, a big part of Chinese medicine, um, and that's you know we see Chinese medicine shops springing up all over the place yeah. now, and people can go in and buy their um, combination of herbs. Um, they're prescribed in a different way. Um, there isn't, and I suppose this is something that's true for the whole of Chinese medicine. That I haven't explained is that. In Western medicine, you go in and you get a diagnosis. You've got diabetes, and then the treatment follows from that. Um, in Chinese medicine, um, you go and see a Chinese medicine practitioner, and they're much more evaluating you as a whole. Um, yeah. And they'll look at things like your colour and the tone of voice and um, your, the smell, um, as well as um, taking your pulses and looking at your tongue and all those sort of things. But much more about... Who you, what sort of person you are in the world and they will be looking for what are the fundamental imbalances that have led you to get this problem and different people may have had different imbalances leading them to get the same disease yeah. and that's particularly um, so with the other big group of problems that people take to um, Chinese medicine people is um, musculoskeletal problems mm -hmm. arthritis and problems with joints and um, things that aren't working as you'd like them to in your body um, and there there's a whole range of different issues that could be underlying 
Um, so that what they're trying to do is restore the harmony so that your body can sort itself out. Right. So if you went with a pain in your knee mm-hmm. and I went with a pain in my knee, we'd be very likely to get, we would be very unlikely to get the same treatment. Okay. And the treatment is also an evolving thing so that when you go and see the practitioner, they get an experience of you um, and then um, they formulate an idea in their heads about what's likely to be going on and will give you what they think would meet the need now. Um, and then they will also be seeing how you respond to that and that may get them to reevaluate their yeah. their diagnosis in the first place but also they'll be needing to reevaluate as you move towards better balance and health and may well need to be treating different things and different things may come up yeah so it's very very holistic and but is this reflected in the what sort of lifestyle do they advocate for their patients well it is and um, i mean the second line which can be seen as lifestyle or can be seen as treatment is um nutrition and diet and they, the, there is a great um, knowledge base in China about the properties of different foods. And I've already mentioned yeah. eating seasonal foods. Um, but there are a whole, there's a whole science in the food that I know very little about. Um, so th- what you're eating is really important. And in terms of lifestyle, I mean, what, what, the Tao means um, how to live. And the practitioner will work with whoever, um, the clients who turn up, to um, offer them treatment but also to help them live their lives in a more harmonious way Mm -hmm. so that all that stuff about lifestyle is important and it's not wildly different from what we regard in the in the west so it's what you eat yeah but um how you decide what you eat would be done in rather a different way Mm -hmm. um and um how you move about in the world so exercise but the exercise is um not just about the gym uh, one of the really classical um, Chinese exercise forms is Tai Chi. And that's part of... Um, Qigong is the broader term which covers all kind of energy work. Yeah. But Tai Chi is one that's very well known because we see it on the news. And yeah. You know, um, and, so, and that's kind of meditative movement where balance is a really important part of it. So there is power in there, but there's power that's um, absolutely appropriate for what you're trying to do. So not expending more energy or less energy than you need to to achieve the outcome. And so that, that um, taking exercise is very important. And in part of Chinese medicine, you know, there are things that can go wrong in Chinese medicine. Um, one of the elements that they are concerned about is the wood element, which is um, the one that governs the liver and the gallbladder. And their movement is really important to get unstuck and to, to start things started again. So certainly would recommend exercise. Um, and um, then, then, oh, living in a way which is balanced with with nature and mm-hmm. with other people, and that's the other you know area of lifestyle we would encourage people to look at is their relationships. So actually, quite a lot of concordance there. But then, then the differences. I mean, do you think the general public take Chinese medicine very seriously? The numbers of people going to consult acupuncturists is going up and up and up and up, and other Chinese medicine practitioners, and all those um, Chinese medicine shops in the high street wouldn't mm-hmm. be setting up unless there was some kind of demand for it. Yeah. And the other thing is that the um, there are um, uh, increasing numbers of courses for people going trained to do Chinese medicine in the West, in this country, and, and in the States, all of which says that the public 
uh, is voting for this with its feet. Yeah. And many of them will go and try and, you know, take their migraine to the Chinese herbalist in the high street and take them as and nothing happens and so they'll go away disillusioned and they won't think it's worked. So it's not, I don't think everybody who tries it will be sold mm -hmm. on it. But I think um, an increasing number of people are recognising how it can play a really significant role in preventing um, the sort of illnesses and diseases that happen upon you in middle life, sorting out the illnesses which are rather unkindly being called psychosomatic, um, where you know your emotional state clearly plays a part in yeah. bringing on the symptoms of the of the problem. Um, rather different from saying it's all in your head, which, mm. which some people <laughs> some people are inclined to do. Um, and and some of the really more serious illnesses as well. So I think cancer sufferers, you know, palliative care, it, that's an important mm -hmm. role to play. So, yeah, I think more and more the public are taking it seriously, but we're probably talking about 10%, Yeah. Um, maybe 15%. And then, of course, the other thing is that there's very little acupuncture that's free or, or Chinese medicine that's free on the health service. Yeah. So you are looking at people who can afford to pay. And I suppose there's a difference as well, because here, if we have problem with migraines you go to the doctor you're given medication whereas it uh, it would be a, a different process wouldn't it because it wouldn't just be you go to the doctor once you're given some tablets and off you go going to a chinese med medicine practitioner as you said it wouldn't it would be a gradual thing they'd have yeah. to really examine you and then it may well be that you need to do more than just be given medication yes. you need yes. to change your lifestyle yes you might have some acupuncture there and you might be prescribed some herbs um, and definitely they might start talking to you about ways in which things might improve. But they might also think that at where you were at this stage in your life, it was impractical to expect you to change very much in terms mm -hmm. of your lifestyle. And the important thing was to um, restore the balance in your body a bit through acupuncture or herbs or whatever, so that you can then have the energy and strength to do the things that your body needs. I mean, I think there was a sense a few years ago that people would turn to Chinese medicine as a last resort. Do you think that's shifting now, that people see it as a more viable option? Yes, I do. Um, we did, quite a while back actually in Oxford, we did a survey asking people about the reasons for consulting complementary therapists. And I suppose about a third of the people who were going to um, acupuncture and, and also other complementary therapists were going for well-being. Mm -hmm. they weren't going to sort out a problem and that's of course something that there's the general public are pressing the government really to start um, saying you know our health service shouldn't just be interested in diseases the health service should be trying to encourage people to um, have greater health mm -hmm. have greater well-being and should be supporting our quest for that yeah so if I want greater well-being and I go and see my GP and I'm taking perfectly good exercise and I'm not smoking and I'm not drinking too much and I'm eating a reasonable diet, they're not going to have much to be able to offer me that will help me explore and find ways to feel healthier. Yeah. And what about the medical profession? Do you think Chinese medicine is taken seriously by them? Well, again, I think there's a big spectrum <laughs> and a big divide from the people who are absolutely clear it's got to be uh, complete rubbish. Mm-hmm because it doesn't fit with the biochemical nature of understanding of health. Um, and there are also increasing numbers of um, healthcare practitioners of one sort or another, but certainly including GPs and anaesthetists or another group who have got interested through um, 
through pain clinics and through um, anaesthesia in general, um, who have gone and really studied it. There aren't many doctors in this country, I think, who are really what called duly qualified. Um, the sort of courses doctors tend to do tend to be more about um, learning a bit of acupuncture, for example, to help people with the um, uh, osteoarthritis of the knee yeah. or, or some problem like that. So it would be specifically tailored to a condition and they'd maybe do two or three week course, um, whereas the um, Chinese medical training is um, three or four years, five years in some cases. And there you're learning much more about the constitutional stuff and a whole range of different um, possibilities in terms of treatment and prevention. Is there much research to show that it works? Well, there's, there's um, not, not. I mean, there, there is not a lot of research on Chinese medicine, I think, is yeah. the starting point. But there is, there's a variety of different types of research. Um, in Japan in particular, um, I, and one of the other problems about this is that because I don't speak Chinese, I don't read Chinese, mm -hmm. um, I'm dependent on people who can translate yeah. the papers or you know who can speak English very well and come over here and make presentations and tell us about it to know what the research is. And so when I sweepingly say there's not a lot, <laughs> actually there may be an awful lot going in China on in China that doesn't um, surface here. Yeah. Um, but the, the groups of um, research that I know about are um, people who are doing studies in animals so that they will put an um, uh, uh, acupuncture needle in an acupuncture point on the foot of a rat, say, and measure the changes to the blood flow to the intestines um, and um, to the kidneys, and they get reliable effects. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt that something changes, a yeah. pin in your foot changes something that's going on elsewhere in your body. So we know, you know, we know that it does bring about physiological change. Mm -hmm. 